You ever wonder why we're here? I wonder of a place where we are both here and not here at the same time. So a paradox. That's the word. You know, that's also what they start the Jungle Cruise out with. You got a dock on the left and a dock on the right, and in the middle, it's a paradox. I hate you. everyone to RVB Recall, where we talk about all things red versus blue, and right now that happens to be season 17, episode 2, Everwhen, which sounds like, uh, it sounds like a Tolkien sort of thing, you know? You know what? It does a little bit, although I gotta admit, when you said Everwhen, I'm kind of disappointed that the actual audio stinger didn't accompany you. I'm... I'm kind of sad that we don't have a soundboard in real life. I mean, you edit this show. You could make it accompany me. I mean, I don't know how to isolate it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to isolate just that sound. But uh, yeah, ever when and then whatever that noise was. I think it was like a weird like whip sound sort of a little bit like ethereal though. I don't know. I don't know. It's late. I have no idea what I'm talking about. And we are making the appropriate hand gestures whenever we say, ever when. So, you know, use your imaginations. So we start off this episode exactly where we left off the last one, which is going to make the DVD very easy to watch. And that is Donut in the middle of the time stream, trying to figure things out. All of time is happening all at once, and he just has to focus really strongly on something and he'll be there. So before we got this, what was your prediction as to the first place where he'd show up? Um, honestly, I was thinking more like season one throwback. The the part, is it a spider? Get it off. And and even though we did get that callback, um, where we ended up was not quite what I expected. But I'm I'm also super glad we got there because what followed was an incredible scenario. <laughs> yeah, same. I was expecting to go back to season one, too. I thought we were going to spend, I thought we were going to do this in a little more chronological order, and I thought we were going to spend a lot more time here. But uh, I don't think it's a bad thing. I actually think it's a good thing that we ended up jumping into where they ended up taking us because. I mean, we, we talked a lot about the last episode about, like, how it's a good thing that they're not staying in season one for too long. And as great as it would have been to get launched back into that, like, is it a spider? Get it off! Kaboom! moment. Like, that would have been hilarious. But this makes a lot more sense. And I'm really glad that we hopped to the various places that we hopped to. Because, as you said before, the Everwin is all times at any given time so this was a really good way of illustrating that was not going back to the beginning but actually hopping into the middle <laughs> at a at a very formative moment for donut so i i really appreciated that yeah i wasn't expecting them to go immediately to donut getting shot by wash 
which makes sense because if you survive something like that, it sticks with you, to put it very lightly. And I really wasn't expecting them to loop it several times. Like, if this is something that is based off of Donut's will, then it makes sense that he'd get shot and all he would be able to think about was being shot. So it would pull him back to the moment where he got shot and suddenly we have the world's most depressing time loop. This, yeah, it, it, like, <laughs> it, what a wonderful way of setting it up too because he realizes that, oh, I just have to think about a place and then I'll go there. And it shows how effective that memory is, like how, how much of an impression it left on him. And I know we've talked about it in the past, whether or not we've discussed it um, super on camera or, or via re recordings of some sort. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't recall, but I know that we've had numerous discussions in the past about whether or not Donut should have stayed dead. As we've discussed, uh, you know, one of the one of the big criticisms about Marvel films prior to Endgame coming out, and I would say, um, I would say even after Infinity War, because we know a lot of those characters are coming back, but a big criticism about Marvel is that death is sort of wishy-washy. Like, you know, uh, you bring back Agent Coulson, it cheapens death a little bit. You know, you bring back certain other people. It, yeah, yeah. It's the Dragon Ball Z effect. It's the revolving door of death. It's that sort of thing where death kind of stops having a cost and you realize that the characters all have plot armor. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the people who was in the camp of Donut should have stayed dead. And honestly, I'm still kind of there just given the later reactions we had from the fandom and, oh, the meta's not dead. Oh, this person's not dead. And having to go to the source to get the official, yes, yes, they have been super murdered. We've talked about it extensively for the love of God. Like, I would have appreciated the ramifications more had Donut stayed dead. That said, this season is shaping up to be super fun with him at the helm. Yeah, and I have to agree. And, like, again, you know, uh, talking about those prior conversations about how, like, oh, yeah, Donut should have stayed dead or, like, I'm okay with this. Like, all of those conversations came flooding back to me as Donut was trapped in this perpetual loop loop of getting shot over and over again uh, and all those times we were like yeah donut should have stayed dead Sh bang 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 and I'm like oh I feel so bad I feel so bad for saying that well I mean we thought he was dead and then it's like nah he comes back later on with no explanation and everyone's like armor lock and I'm like does armor lock stop you from bleeding out is is that how this what I don't know who even knows? Who even knows? Don't give me a technical answer. I won't accept it. Um, yeah, so then we head into... We have a nice little scene from season 10 with the whole Griff shot thing. We have a bit from season 15, which I thought was long overdue, given that the joke about Donut has that it's he's always been a very... Uh, feminine's not the word flamboyant yeah he's always been a very flamboyant character and it's always just been double entendres all the way down unwittingly so and so Tucker piercing the veil on that one and going look I'm not in the mood to put up with it this is how you talk 
and Donut having a slow reality check afterwards. And I'm going to think of every sentence that I've ever said. It's just, yikes. Like, this was such a a relatable moment um, because I don't know about you, but there are many, many conversations that I've had in my life where as soon as the conversation was done or as soon as the wrong thing left my mouth, I went, oh, I'm going to be reliving that for weeks and like I'm going to be stuck in that memory forever now. Um, You know, it's one of those things where, you know, you stay up late at night thinking about like, oh, man, that person probably hates me, even though like obviously they don't or like obviously you're you have too much anxiety about it or whatever but like that's one thing to be in your own head about it Donut is literally reliving it and that's something that I'm very grateful that I'll never actually experience I'm very happy to keep it in my own head where it belongs yeah no we all do that and what we don't know is that the person where that we're we're so sure oh this person probably thinks i'm an idiot they are also lying awake thinking of conversations that they had possibly with you and going wow i bet that other person thinks i'm an idiot everyone does it it's fine i also win arguments that way (laughs) or lose arguments everyone does it's that comeback that you have two hours later in the shower like Damn it! Why couldn't I have been witty two hours ago? Well, if you were trapped in the Everwen, you could have been. <laughs> I don't think that's worth it. I also don't think it works that way. <laughs> of course it doesn't. I say, do I look like a fictional character? I wouldn't want a fictional character's lives. They're always so dramatic. I can barely handle my own drama. Fuck anyone else's. Um... Yeah, I do appreciate that we get dropped in the middle of season three in the timeline sketch. Perfect callback. This was a delight. Um, it's It's been a long time since I've watched season three, but I'm very fond of season three. You know, uh, I, I don't know. It's taken me a little while to reconcile the whole retconning their original time travel thing because I liked what they did with that particular time travel plot back when the show was just, you know, goofs on goofs on goofs. And gamma for days. Gamma for days and Church's expedition through time was something I really enjoyed. And so it was kind of a bummer when that got retconned. So actually having real time travel taken back to a moment from that season, particularly one that was talking about time travel, was quite nice. Um, I, I thought it was I thought it was really great. And it made me miss like, you know, the old suits of armor and it made me miss the old aspect ratios and everything like that. It made me very nostalgic and I appreciated it. Again, this season has been really good so far. I mean, two episodes in. But so far, this season has been really good for people who love and remember the Blood Gulch Chronicles. Like the people who were introduced to Red vs. Blue via the BGC, who have been here from the beginning. Like, this is a great season for them so far. And then Donut realizes that no one's going to listen to him because no one has ever listened to him. 
and he winds up back with Krovos having a conversation. And I do appreciate this reality check because it's also a bit of a reality check for the audience. Like, Donut is our hero, and he's the worst person to be doing this because they've been discarding his opinions from day one. Which is unfair to him because, again, he's been nothing but earnest um, ever since he first showed up at Blood Gulch. He's been earnest and enthusiastic, but everything he's ever said, you know, gets misconstrued because it's always said in double entendres. So, yeah, it's it's such a bummer that and, and so it's completely understandable that everyone would sort of just tune out everything he says or get accustomed to discounting what he says because what he says can always be misconstrued in a way that he obviously isn't intending but so it, it's totally natural that they would dismiss his dialogue so to speak but that's so unfair because, yeah, again, he's so earnest. And in this case, he is the one person in the universe who knows what's going on right now. And it's kind of like... Or so we think. True. It's kind of like those moments in prior seasons where Caboose has that moment, ha has moments of clarity and has moments of insight that go completely unnoticed because it's like, shut up, Caboose. It's just like that. Well, they've said that Caboose is the only one who realizes that they're in a video game and he just kind of treats everyone else like they're cats. I'm not sure if that particular editorial comment still holds up with what we've had these past few seasons, but I still love it as a summary of Caboose's character and outlook on life. Like, it's perfect. Before we move on to our next time shenanigans, we have a word from our sponsor. Rooster Team Radio is sponsored by Fred's BS, breads and spreads by Fred. Fred's BS is an L.A. local one-man baked goods business that offers unique flavors in small batches. Whether you're looking for homemade jams, brownies, blondies, or brown sugar buddies, the best cookies you've ever had, Fred's BS can provide. All products are made in small batches with fresh ingredients, nothing is ever frozen, and Fred provides a plethora of flavors that can't be found in stores, like the aforementioned brown sugar buddies or his strawberry peach paradise sunrise jam. Also, if you're LA local, you can choose pickup instead of delivery and get your goods even sooner. Head to fredsbs.com and use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. That's fredsbs.com, F-R-E-D-S-B-S.com, and coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM. Fred's BS. Treat yourself, because you deserve it. I also have to say I appreciate this conversation that we're having with Krovos, because we find out that, more than anything, Krovos is just stir-crazy. They've been locked up for, do you know how long an eon is? It's a million years. It's it's, was it a million or a billion? I think it was a billion years. It's 12, it's, I don't remember the exact line, obviously, but long story short, Krovos has been locked up for a very long time. It's a wonder that she's still sane, and yeah, she's just happy that something's happening. Again, kudos to Lee Eddy, because ultimately, this character wants to destroy the world, unmake it, as she says, but like, that moment... Where she goes, I'm just happy something's happening, anything at all. The despair in her voice 
at that moment and like even though you know things are finally exciting and like things are finally working out for her in a way that you know she can reshape the universe ultimately she's still trapped in this moment so she's been trapped for a long time so it's like it's like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel you're not there yet but you can see it so like her still being trapped is it's both like a good thing because she wants to destroy the universe but it's also heartbreaking because ultimately she's always been trapped for 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 forever She's been trapped, and her only conversational company has been Jenkins. Jenkins. No. I mean, he does make for lively conversation. But yeah, I imagine he's also kind of infuriating. And yeah, we, we get that moment in the, the first episode this season where he, like, he even makes the comment, you haven't talked to anybody in a long time have you so this companionship with donut actually i think does mean a lot to krovos oh yeah and i mean jenkins is kind of that guy who shows up at the party and his clothes are a little too loud and he drinks a little too much and he stays a little too long and he's just that kind of person where everything is slightly more to the extreme than it should be and they can be fun in small doses, but if they're your only friend or if they're the only person you can talk to, they get exhausting. And Donut, by dint of not being Jenkins, is a hell of an improvement. Yeah, and it's not like there's also a lack of sympathy there either, because she's like, it won't hurt, you know, this is just the end of the road. And like, it makes, I can't tell if she was being sincere, or if she was being condescending when she's like, it pains me to see my champion so sad. Both. I mean, yeah, you can, as a God, you can be both <laughs> for sure. Uh, but I, I loved this moment because it brought humanity to an inhuman presence uh, who again is essentially our big bad this season so it was just a small moment it was just a brilliant moment of acting on Lee Eddy's part yeah again repeating what you said earlier kudos to Lee Eddy she has been acting the hell out of Krovo so far it has been fun to watch fun to listen to and very believable and that's not what you would really expect from what we got from Krovo's last season this cosmic being with the soothing voice locked into this armor of gears and whatnot like that's not the sort of big bad that I would have expected and now this season Krovos is Lietti and there's just this extra added dimension to the character that wasn't there before that's entirely her having way too much fun and I love it I second all of that <laughs> <laughs> I second that emotion yeah, so Krovos and her, she really wants to have a conversation. She's having a good time, and Donut figures something out. Because Krovos has talked about between the point of origin and the paradox, this ever when, if you will, is a time of malleable space, is a malleable timeline. And Donut picks up on up to the paradox, and, well, what's after the paradox? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing. What's after the paradox? Just two separate realities jostling for the same space. It's nothing. It's nothing. 
And Donut puts two and two together, or rather puts two and two next to each other, because I guess these are two separate realities, and figures out that Wash is there. Because at the moment, it's Schrodinger's Wash. He both has and has not been shot in the throat. Yikes. 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 This is so friggin' brilliant. <laughs> like, this is a fantastic setup for what we're about to get this season. And, yeah, I'm... I'm I just think it's so great that the character who loves cats <laughs> is essentially Schrodinger's cat this season. I am fully expecting next week's episode to just utterly break my heart. Because the differences between Wash before and after the brain damage are so stark sometimes that I can't help but wonder if some if they're going to be two completely disparate washes and just swapping between them because they're trying to exist at the same time or if one isn't going to cotton on that something is happening and start wondering what's wrong with him like whether or not he's cognizant of what's happening I am fully expecting this to just rip my heart out of my chest and stomp on it Mortal Kombat style and (laughs) finish me Oh, why? Why would you say that? <laughs> that's funny. That has, I think that has a very different connotation than what you're intending. Excuse you, Donut. I'm not the one that made the double entendre. I'm not. I'm not. Anyway, um, I, I dig this. I made the, the comparison to Rick and Morty uh, last episode. Uh, and... This episode, there's an episode of Rick and Morty where you don't do time travel in that show uh, because the they did one where they messed with time and it created a gazillion uh, parallel timelines. And it was awesome and it was really cool. Um, I'm sure the animators will tell you how much they hated it <laughs> because they had to do little tiny subtle changes for each little new reality that was then taking up a square of the screen. But um, that's sort of you describing Wash as a character being, you know, one version of him got shot and the other version of him didn't. Um, And whether or not those are going to blink in and out of existence at the same time or if we're going to be switching back and forth between the two or if they're going to be inhabiting space together at the same time. That's sort of like I'm getting the character embodiment of that Rick and Morty episode in my brain. And that is both cool and also really upsetting. And I, Wash is the perfect character. I, I hate to say this, but Wash is the perfect character for something like this to happen to. I know that's a shitty thing to say. <laughs> because, and I, I get it. I love him. I love him too. But like, it's perfect, especially, and we've talked about it before, especially with the direction he was taken last season it makes a lot of sense for this to be the character that we focus on because it sets him up for either a self-sacrifice sort of story arc or there's a potential to do what the Reds and Blues and Carolina were trying to do last season anyway and there's potentially a way to fix it since there's a version of him that didn't get shot. But again, 
is that better to like replace the version of him that got shot with the version of him that didn't like that doesn't because that's kind of terrible too because he, I mean yeah it's bad that that happened to him but like should other Wash's existence be completely invalidated because of something out of his control? I just watched a really interesting movie talking about that very thing, so that's where my brain's at right now. I'd say the difference here is it's the same Wash on two separate timelines, so it's not like you're picking one life over the other, you're picking one timeline over the other it's one will cease to exist when the other one is slotted in place permanently i assume that's horrifying though like if you've watched any sort of time travel stuff um i'm thinking mainly of a line from the butterfly effect which <laughs> shut up <laughs> You can't change the past without destroying who they were. And what you've just described, that version of Wash, wash see, like ceasing to exist, that's horrifying. Because think of it this way. Say um, something happened to you, like you fell down the stairs or something like that, and you were no longer able to walk. Well, someone decided to go back in time and prevent you from falling down the stairs every like the version of you which again you where that happened to ceases to exist that destroys the person that you turned into that destroys your existence yeah the other version of you is walking around fine but i'm sure if you sat down right before it happened and told the per the version of you hey you're about to not exist it's not like oh i'm gonna fix you it's you're about to not exist i'm sure that version of you might protest and go hey wait a minute about that I think we're going to have to see how this show handles that, honestly, because what we've seen here are characters that are outside of time, as it were, and Griff starting to cotton on because he's the only one who heard Donut's completely bonkers explanation, bonkers but accurate explanation of what was happening and went, no, 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 this makes sense to me. This sounds right. So I think that if anyone's going to break out, it's going to be Griff first. Possibly Tucker as well, but I'm assuming Griff first. So we haven't seen how we deal with characters who are stuck inside the Everwen, and Donut would be so happy that this is catching on. And we haven't seen how they'll deal with Schrodinger's wash, as it is. Because that's what he is right now, and we haven't established any rules for paradoxes aside from they break time. There's never been an establishment of, well, what happens after that? How does this particular canon handle paradoxes? Like, we had Doctor Who that was like, well, in one season there's a paradox and don't touch the baby, otherwise everything's going to come crashing down. And we have another season where it's like, well, if you do these particular mechanical things and bend this weird physics construct that we made up, you can maintain a paradox in a stable space. Like, it really depends on how the, the canon and the season of the canon, because we are looking at different writers, handles the idea of a paradox and the ramifications therein. So it might be a horrifying choice. It might not. 
I do still think that the, the paradox, I do still think that at the end of this, Wash is going to have to get shot to put time right. Like, I think that's going to have to play through somehow because this show loves its fucking tragedies. I I mean, I, I concur with that. I do think that that's ultimately where we'll end up. I mean, it's, it's entirely possible that we're allowed to save him, so to speak. But I, I feel like, just like we were talking about with Donut not being dead, that undermining the stakes and ultimately that hurting the narrative in the long run, I feel like if Wash doesn't get shot then that cheapens those things we were just talking about it's like that those same ramifications it's like oh okay if if wash doesn't get shot he now has plot armor and so yeah those those very same things we were just talking about with donut not staying dead i feel like that's what's going to happen if we don't walk away from this season without wash getting shot that being said again it could we could invert that or or subvert that particular expectation by making that hard choice of wait no don't do that you'll kill me (laughs) don't like yeah I won't have gotten shot but the me that's here right now talking to you will cease to exist you're killing me by saving me (laughs) if that makes any sense uh and I I kind of dig that in it like it's terrible it's horrifying but as a way of maintaining stakes but also fixing things I kind of dig it I mean there's no way we're getting out of this without some sort of cost or consequence there just isn't last season was a season of fucking everything up and this season of is a season of well we have to fix it so If that's a matter of living with the consequences, even if it's one person living with the consequences of someone else's actions, that's how it goes sometimes. And I'd love for them to fix it because, again, decisions were made that I don't necessarily like. But, you know, that's the story. Someone else is writing it. We are along for the ride. I'm with you. Again, I, I think that the best way to end this sort of thing um, in terms of fixing the paradox is allowing Wash to get shot uh, because ultimately I really like the message of walking away with life is messy sometimes but you have to do your best with what you're given and when you come across something like this something you can't you know something devastating you have to take it one day at a time I really like that. And so if that's sort of the beat we end on this season, I'm totally cool with that. And I'll have, I'll be cool with the entire wash story arc of him getting shot. And I know, I know that's kind of upsetting, but like, if that's what they're going for, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And I'm just still kind of, can we quit messing with his brain that just keeps happening? Please stop. But that's that's me, and that's the knee-jerk favorite character emotional response. So, you do what you can. So we end this episode with Donut figuring this out, picking up the one-time gun that's still left, and now I'm going to go visit Wash. Bye! And now you're thinking with portals. And now we're landing on Chorus. And this is what I find interesting, because it could have been any location ever, 
and Donut picks chorus and is absolutely certain that Wash is here. And for the life of me, I'm not sure why that is. My guess was because Chorus is the one place Wash knows that there's a competent doctor. <laughs> that was my guess. But it is an interesting choice because when Wash was on Chorus, he was during his recovery, he was getting, going stir crazy. So, although, again, if this is a Wash that both did and didn't get shot, then maybe Chorus is the closest thing they sort of have to home or a home base for right now at the very least theoretically there's friends there yeah because i mean there is still the moon that they were vacationing on but i would imagine that at this point it's a little empty but people are still on chorus what i'd love to see in this insane timeline that's jostling with each other and i'm not sure if this will work or not is when I interviewed Joe at RTX last year and asked about, like, there were all these plot threads from season 16 that we just didn't go over because Griff didn't want anything to do with it. We had a message from Locus. We had, hey, there's stuff happening on Chorus. And in the interview, Joe mentioned Locus being on trial on Chorus. I wonder if we might get to see a little bit of that. Who knows? Who even knows? What would you like to see from this potential who knows what's going on paradox timeline? Oh gosh, I'm trying to like I'm think of thinking of both a chorus where, you know, again, Wash did and didn't get shot. Um because I'm wondering if Wash didn't get shot if they were still able to stop Temple. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. So I'm wondering if in that reality you know, all hell broke loose as chaos was unleashed. I mean, maybe they were able to still stop Temple. I mean, the paradox was based on because they had Wash with them, it was no trouble stopping Temple. Because they had Wash and Locus with them, it was no trouble stopping Temple at all. Therefore, the time paradox didn't happen. But then also the time, ha but the time paradox also happened. Basically, that's what caused the paradox is them having Wash's help. Uh, that's ridiculous because he was dehydrated and wandering around like an idiot at the time. Having Locus's help makes more sense. Both. It's debatable. Anyway, neither neither here nor there. Point being, um, okay, so not having to worry about time and space collapsing in on itself in that branch of the timeline is good. Um, but seeing the two realities go in and out, yeah, it it would be cool to see a version, you know, of course, with one of those worlds, you know, Kimball leading things and, you know, having to deal with the UNSC and Earth and all of the politics that 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 entails and how messy it can get with all of that entails cut like juxtaposed to a Kimball having to deal with maybe an uprising of some sort or like um, some sort of other mercenaries coming uh, hired by the UNSC. I don't know. I, I love the idea of, you know, again, kind of like a butterfly effect of one reality being like, okay, we're making progress. And the other reality being like, not everything's falling apart, but it's a lot darker and it has a much sharper edge to it. That would be interesting there's there's all sorts of stuff they can do god knows where we're going with these timelines the universe is their oyster so 
Yeah, that should be fun and interesting. So we would like to hear all of your predictions. So if you want to head on over to the Twitters, we are there at The Rooster Team. Go ahead and tweet us with what you think is going to happen with this upcoming episode of Red vs. Blue because it sounds crazy, it's going to hurt all of us, and it's going to be super fun at the same time, as only Rooster Teeth Productions can. If you would like to follow our other shows, we are on anchor.fm slash roosterteamradio. There is us, we're doing Ruby, we are just finished Genlock, we're doing all sorts of fun stuff here, and of course there is always Welcome to Vale, which just recently had its one year anniversary. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, check them out. They are all under the anchor.fm podcast feed. So yeah, anchor.fm slash the rooster team. We have the Twitter that we just mentioned. We have a YouTube channel as well, The Rooster Team. And we have our Tee Public store, also The Rooster Team. So stop on by, see all of our fun designs that were all, most of them put together by Mark, one of them commissioned by the lovely Princess Ponies. Check those out. They are super fun and I adore them. In the meantime... I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also do a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost. And I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaget. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like seeing reaction videos to these episodes, they live on that YouTube channel. I am also on an Overwatch podcast called On The Point. We're currently talking about the Overwatch League finals taking place this weekend. So, thank you guys so much for listening. Let us know what you think is going to happen, and uh, we'll see you on the other side of the paradox. Mm-hmm.